Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, and uh, this is your host, Andy Brams. Today is a special episode, really. We have a roundtable, so to speak, and Dr. Rodney Harrison, the president of the Baptist Home or Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, is with me today. Rodney, you have a couple of guests with you. Would you like to reintroduce yourself and share who is in the room with you today? Well, thank you very much, Andy. It's a pleasure to be back on Biblical Perspectives of Aging. Again, I'm Rodney Harrison, president of the Baptist Homes, a position that I have enjoyed now for just over one year. To my right is Dr. Ron Mackey. Ron has been with the Baptist Homes for over 20 years. Uh, He has been on an earlier podcast, and he currently serves as our vice president for community engagement. Uh, Ron has served both on the board of the Baptist Home and has served on the corporate staff in various capacities. So we'll have him join us with his institutional memory. And then to my left is Joe Obeling. Joe is one of the newest team members of Baptist Homes, and I hope that we'll be able to talk about him and brag on him a little bit later in the uh, podcast. Joe serves as our chief operations officer. Joe comes to Baptist Homes after uh, about 18 years working for the Missouri Baptist Convention, and uh, prior to that, over a decade of banking experience. And so we are thrilled to have Brother Joe with us for serving as our operations officer. Well, great. I'm sure he would like for you to brag on him publicly as well. So that would be good. Well, uh, today's episode, really having you three in the room allows us to talk kind of big picture. We're calling this particular episode a view from 30,000 feet. And so allowing you to give a few details, but a little bit of an idea of where we are going as the Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministry. So could you Let's start with a COVID update, which I know we've had in the past couple of episodes. We've had some administrators on and and uh, a one of the chaplains on to talk about that. But how are things going generally from a COVID perspective? Uh, what has been the impact upon the long-term care rebounding as we're moving forward from from the the depths of COVID at least over the last several months and and year? Uh, just give us an update on that, please. Okay, well, thank you very much, Andy. Well, you know, the Baptist Homes, we were really blessed to maintain a COVID-free environment through uh, the fall of 2020. It had been something that we had been praying for. In fact, ironically, I think it was in September edition of uh, our state newspaper, The Pathway, that I had written an article about the COVID miracle, the fact that on all four campuses, we had managed to maintain a COVID-free environment. The month of October came, and in October, we literally saw every campus, or no, excuse me, three of our four campuses uh, impacted by the coronavirus. And of course, that is an opportunity to really practice what we preach, the recognition that sometimes things don't go exactly the way we want them to, this doctrine of theodicy. Why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow bad things to happen? You know, why doesn't he just keep illness from the world? And yet during that season, it was really a a sweet season for the Baptist home as we leaned on one another more, as we grew, I think, more as an organization rather than four separate campuses, we really started functioning as a unity. 
and as a, uh, an organization with a common mission, a common purpose, and a common value. We continued to have periodic outbreaks, but I am pleased to say we have not had any positive cases since early February. So we've been COVID-free since February. Uh, we, we were blessed to be able to start the vaccination program in late December, starting with Arcadia Valley. And like I said, we have now been able to be uh, COVID-free since February. And that has opened up all types of opportunities. Uh, you know, when you think about the impact on long-term care, not only did the coronavirus really for the last year and two months, nobody wants to move into a, a congregate care environment. Nobody wanted to do that for a while. Uh, we're actually seeing our, our, our rooms filling again. We're seeing our census rebounding. It was down uh, over 20% at one point. And now as of last week, I think we're, we're probably right about where we were year to date last year. So things are starting to rebound again. But also, um, I think we're a healthier environment. And a little bit later, we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things that COVID has taught us. But uh, how things are going, I would say they're going to go, they're going well. I'm going to ask Ron just to kind of speak to that because Ron is actually uh, one who spends a little bit more time working uh, on the floor and with our administrators. And so, Ron, do you want to just add your thoughts to how things are going related to COVID? Well, I think, as Rodney said, it's been since February that we've had uh, an outbreak on any of our campuses, um, which has created the opportunity for us to very slowly and incrementally begin to reopen our, our campuses. Currently, on all, on all four of our campuses, we are open for visits by appointment with family. They need to call, set up an appointment, and uh, they are able to come and visit their loved one um, pretty much in that residence room. Uh, we are also open to pastors uh, to be able to come and, and they can come see their their church members in our facilities as well. So that, that is enabling us to move forward. And our, our residents are now able to basically have full freedom uh, within the campus. They're eating together. We still have the plexiglass shields. We still have a little bit of distancing, but we're beginning to realize that we may not need even those plexiglass shields because all of our residents, uh, well, the vast majority of them, have had their full round of vaccines. And that gives us the opportunity to, to get them back to a more normal life, uh, which I remember the day of our vaccine clinic here at Ironton, when our first resident came out of the, the medical room where the vaccines were being given. And you, know, you have to come out and wait for 15 minutes before you go back to your room. Spontaneously, when she came out, those who were waiting to receive their vaccine just started applauding. Hmm. Uh, and it was just kind of a celebration that maybe we're going to get back to something uh, normal. One of the things that we've learned from this is how to connect with our residents' families electronically, uh, be it by, by a phone, by a tablet. We have become much more knowledgeable about social media than we were before. And, uh, you know, before it was like a nuisance. Now it's a requirement. We are not going back to the way things were before. We are going to continue to have opportunities for our residents and their families to connect electronically. We have some family members who live hundreds of miles away 
from their loved ones. So this is a great avenue for us. And quite honestly, COVID is what taught us how to do that. Let's go down that path for just a moment because obstacles and challenges that come our way lead to different innovations, lead to different opportunities. Obviously, it's a mindset. We can get trapped within the the challenges themselves, or we can seek a way forward, seek a way through them. And, and sometimes that's easier than others. But Ron, you just mentioned, and I'll, I'll throw this to anyone, uh, that because of COVID, you are now using technology, you are uh, uh, enabling families to visit with their uh, with their family that are residents, even though they may not be able to come and to see. So what are some other opportunities that COVID has provided during uh, these last several months as you've adapted, what are some other lessons perhaps that you have learned over this past 14 months that you will continue uh, to put to good use in the days and years ahead? One thing that comes to mind is just how our campuses uh, were able to be innovative, um, you know, alternatives to maybe being in the facility, you know, everything from having parades where families would get together and we would literally have a parade of cars going around the facilities where families could wave at their uh, loved ones. And um, I think there's a heightened awareness of, you know, if you're not feeling well, if, if let's say Sunday you're at church and you kind of have a tickly throat, but boy, every Sunday we, we have come to go visit grandma or we visited mom or we, we would always go see dad. Now we understand that probably if you've got that tickly throat, if you're not feeling well, it's wise not to come on campus. Uh, one, of the, one of the things we discovered across the nation is that the number of infections among our residents, they decreased dramatically because of the heightened awareness of things like just personal hygiene, of hand washing. And now visitors have that expectation when they come into a facility they, they, they wash their hands, they, they prepare, and they're creating a safer environment for everybody. So that would be, I think, one of the things that has improved. Um, I think I'll, I'll let probably Ron and maybe Joe say a few things. But then I would love to, you know, you mentioned about opportunities. I'll tell you, uh, we'll kind of continue with maybe some opportunities that have been presented to the Baptist homes as a result of this, but what, what else is happening on the campuses that are encouraging, Ron? I think there's a greater um, greater sense of camaraderie among our staff. You know, they have, each, each, each area of our staffing, be it dietary, nursing, housekeeping, maintenance, social services, uh, campus pastor activities, they all have their little niche areas where they've worked. Uh, but what COVID has done is, is it's, it's forced them all, not that they were really separated, but, but they each have areas of focus. And they've all begun to realize that these, these focuses are all integrated together. And the way they saw that was when one of those areas or several of those areas could not occur, like congregate worship, uh, like dining together. How do you then keep these people spiritually and emotionally healthy when, when they've, they've pretty much been confined to their rooms? Mm -hmm. You know, your interview you did with Steve Mosley, I think, touched on that very eloquently as he talked about the residents would sit in their doorways mm -hmm. while chapel was piped in through speakers overhead 
for them to be able to worship together, you know, and uh, they, our, our staff have been very fluid in their response uh, of how to serve our residents. And I, you know, I think, I think that has helped them become a, a more cohesive team together in one way. You know, one of the developments that I, I think is somewhat unique too is our industry was hit very, very hard. Starting with the news that came out of, uh, you know, the, the West Coast of the original coronavirus invasion that came into the United States. Uh, it was in early, late, or late February that uh, that started in a nursing home. And so our, our nursing home, long-term care, adult care communities were hit really hard by this. And I shared, it did impact us. We saw the fact that because we did not have new residents moving in, our census declined about 20, just a little bit over 20% at one point. It's rebounded. Many facilities did not have that. Some facilities uh, had 100% of their residents test positive for COVID. Many of them have not had a single person move back in. And that leads to some unique opportunities as we look at a view from 30,000 feet. When I became president, I cast a vision of really the ministry expanding. Uh, if you look at the history of Baptist homes, uh, we started 108 years ago for a good portion of our history. Arcadia Valley was the sole campus. Uh, back in the late 1980s, we added a campus in Chillicothe. Then in the late 90s and 2000s, we added the campus in Ozark. Currently, we have a new campus under construction in Ashland. But what about opportunities to expand? And COVID has created some very unique opportunities as we are currently uh, in really what I would call now the final negotiation process of acquiring uh, two facilities in the Kansas City Metroplex, one in the city of Adrian, Missouri. Um, these are facilities, a couple of them closed due to COVID. They just could not maintain serving residents with the, the decline in, in census. And one facility is still operating, uh, but they're operating now at about 20% of their capacity, which is not a, a viable structure. And uh, these, these are facilities that have really struggled. And if you want to talk about kind of making a fire sale, uh, it's a very unique environment. Facilities that, for example, might have been purchased for $4 million about 16 months ago are pretty much now going for 10 cents on the dollar. I mean, that's the, the literal amount, 10 cents on the dollar over what the purchase price was just 18 months ago. And so Baptist Homes is looking at acquiring some uh, facilities that will allow us to do continuum of care. Uh, we would envision eventually one of these facilities, particularly uh, it's one in Smithville, Missouri, that would potentially target veterans and really be a, a home that would be very different than your traditional veterans home. If you think of a veterans nursing home, I've visited many uh, veterans nursing homes and they're all the same. You have two beds per room, you have four beds per bathroom, and it's that old traditional model of the institutional nursing home. Imagine a facility where every veteran would have their own bathroom, their own bedroom, their own living room in a community that 
also provides the spiritual uh, mm -hmm. support that we are uniquely able to give as Baptist Home. And so uh, we're pretty excited about these opportunities. And uh, again, these are ones that the board has given us a blessing to move forward on. And so we're just, again, uh, right now we're not under contract, but probably by the time this podcast is, is actually available, I would anticipate that we will be under contract with these facilities. So I would just encourage people to, to be looking and praying for us, praying that we will be wise as we look at how we can take what was bad. You know, I think of Romans 8, 28, where we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him, those called according to his purpose. You know, nobody would ever want to repeat 2020. We don't want to repeat the pandemic, but can we see good coming out of it? For Baptist homes and healthcare ministries, I think we can see quite a few things good coming out of this. It has also been an opportunity to accelerate our move into hospice and eventually to home health care because we've come to realize that in this environment that we live in today, for Baptist homes to be effective at being able to serve and provide our unique philosophy and standard of care, um, to, to serve more of Missouri, uh, we need to be able to be in the homes. And so a little bit later, I'll hopefully get to share a little bit about some of our new staff that's coming on and uh, we'll be helping to head up uh, what will become a hospice ministry. Well, those changes that, that you all just mentioned kind of brings Joe into the equation here. And Joe, we'll, we'll invite you to speak here momentarily as well. But, uh, you know, with additional opportunities, with additional expansion, new facilities coming on, uh, that is a part of why it can't just be called the Baptist home. If, as we think about the Baptist home in general, that would imply a singular home. Obviously, there have been multiple homes over the past several years, as you just mentioned, Rodney. But now we're to Baptist homes and healthcare ministries that incorporates new homes, that incorporates new services, hospice, et cetera. So share a little bit about the name change. And then, uh, Joe, as chief operating officer, obviously, you're coming in to oversee all of this. So uh, let, let's start with you. How, how, how do you see your role coming in? We'll, we'll get to other staff and other expertise momentarily, but uh, how do you see your role fitting into this as, as these expansions are happening? Right now, I'm a big sponge trying to soak <laughs> it all in. And I'm thankful to work with these men. And uh, the thing that really impressed me about the opportunity and as we talked was really two different things was the sanctity of life. It's one thing that really just stuck out to me, but then the dignity, the dignity of the senior care. And that really stuck out to me because part of my journey, I don't have the long experience in this particular industry, although I have some corporate experience, but part of my journey is my mother passed away about four years ago. And then at that time, my father uh, needed to go into independent living and assisted living and then to memory care. So I was one of the customers, so to speak, on the other side of the family side. And so I, I learned a lot about that. I'm thankful that he had good care. I'm thankful for the love that he received in the home where he was in the, for the service. But that showed me how important that was from the family side, but then also the dignity. So that's why those things really rang true for me. 
for being able to have this opportunity to serve. Uh, having the experience in the nonprofit, but then also in the commercial finance industry, really the way that God has wired me, Andy, is I say that I'm a corporate brain and a ministry heart. Hmm. To me, the Baptist home is a ministry, but it also is a way that has to function in order to stay a ministry and to provide the service for the residents. And so to be able to help grow and improve teamwork, um, I love that. And that's part of what I bring to the table. But then also working with systems and process management. How do we do that? What's that look like? How do we involve team? How do we become more efficient? It's not just about pushing people, but what do we do to gain those efficiencies? But then also to get the campuses to function together as one unit. And so that's some of my heart, some of my passion and what I look forward to. But right now I'm just a big sponge. Uh, learning as much as I can from from these men, and I look forward to making some uh, additional contributions as we move forward. Sure, sure. Rodney, do you want to uh, speak then to the name change and how that allows you to grow the or to expand the opportunities uh, from a from a formal perspective in that way? Okay, well, thank you. Upon becoming president, several people would uh, came to me and they they would ask, why do they call it? The Baptist home. I understand you have a campus in Chillicothe. I understand you have a campus in Ozark. You're building a campus in Ashland. Wouldn't it be the Baptist homes or Baptist homes? And so, uh, you know, hearing that, not just from one or two, but, but more like probably 20 or 30 individuals that in that first few months, uh, they poise that question. I also benefited from reading an article written by our communications director, Becky Barton, that had talked about the various name changes throughout the history of this ministry. You know, back when we, it was first started, uh, Dr. Riggs, it was, it was called the, the Baptist Home for the Aging. Um, another time it was the uh, Missouri Baptist Home for the aging. Uh, There's a couple different variations of that. So I, I first of all wanted to reflect that we are more than one campus, hence the plural uh, homes. But also we're much more than just homes. We are moving into expanded healthcare ministries. And uh, for example, I've already mentioned hospice and down the road, probably home health. But one of the things that we're doing is, is memory care and inclusive memory care. I'm going to have Ron just talk a little bit about what that will look like. And that is, again, a, an added ministry that we are providing. The Baptist Home has practiced care for those with memory issues for 50 years. In that time period, a marketing technique referred to as memory care has, has come to rise. And it has become the standard moniker for what it means to care for somebody who has memory issues. However, if you were to call one of the Baptist homes and ask, do you have a memory care unit? Our initial reaction and our initial response has been to say, no, we don't. Which means for that call, that person who's looking for help for their loved one probably is going to say, okay, they're off the list. I need to move on. When the reality is, I personally believe we do as good a job of caring with folks with memory issues as anybody out there. 
uh, and what we have what we've come to understand is it's been very difficult for us to define what we do by addressing what we aren't. Okay, it's very difficult to tell somebody who you are by telling them what you don't do. Mm -hmm. So the idea of inclusive memory care focuses on. First of all, we do memory care. We are experts in providing care for those with Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, we have historically used a methodology referred to as validation therapy, which is built around a concept that as we age, whether we have memory loss or, or if we're just aging, God implants within us this desire to resolve the issues of life. As we age, we begin to see the end of our lives coming clear into focus. And there are some issues in our lives, be it with our family, our children, our, our spouse, someone else. We want, we want resolution to these problems. And that happens to couple with the same time frame when our physical character is declining. We're losing our hearing, we're losing our sight, we're losing our mobility. So that desire to resolve those issues may cause that resident or that elder to look confused. Um, so we've been practicing a way to help that resolution for 50 years now. It's just not called memory care. And the idea of inclusive is, is the positive way of saying, we don't have memory care units. Our people who have memory problems are not segregated into a collective uh, put into a facility where they are secured, basically locked in, and then activities and functions are designed that would be appropriate for them. Uh, back in the early 1970s, the Baptist home here in Ironton experimented with a secured lockdown section of our facility. And the the leader of the time, Ed Goodwin, he and I talked recently, and he shared with me with great emotion and great guilt uh, what that did to people. Hmm. Uh, what happened was all of these people had different levels of memory loss and memory problems. But when they were all put together 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the same environment in a locked, secured area, there was a reduction to the means and capacity. Everybody began to manipulate, not manipulate, but emulate the person with the least function. Hmm. So the inclusive idea is our residents are free to go wherever they want to on our campus. All right. We have electronic security processes that alert us when a resident who might be a wanderer who might walk off of our campus. Those things let us know where they're at and, and that we need to go find them and, and look out for them. But on our campus, we don't have a unit where those with memory issues reside. So what that means is, is we as a people, we as staff, as residents, we're all in this together. So, so your next door neighbor might have dementia and they might know their name, but they might not know where they're at. Uh, and what we find is the body of Christ coming to bear. Hmm. People serve each other and care for each other. I'll never forget two ladies. One lady didn't know who she was and didn't know where she was. Her neighbor knew where they were, knew how to get around, knew how to get from one place to the other, but couldn't remember 
the times of things. And they came together and they would walk together. They would, they would end up to dinner on time. They would end up to activities on time. They could find each other's rooms together. Hmm. No one made that happen. They just, by God's design, find each other. So the idea of inclusive memory care is, yes, we provide care for those with memory loss, but we do it very differently. That, that's the idea. It goes back a little bit to what Joe was saying a little bit ago about joining from a sanctity of life perspective, but that dignity yes. of life, what, what you're just sharing there, Ron, is that dignity uh, that, that we can bring. And so that's really what the new name sim, uh, signifies. It, it signifies the fact that we are a multi-campus and growing ministry. Uh, we are expanding into hospice and home health, and we are providing services uh, and resources. So, you know, not just for our, our residents and, and their families, but, but for our churches. That's why this podcast and other resources we make available. I think the new name simply fits who the Baptist home uh, is today. And again, we've, we've used this several times. It's on the intro, the outro for the podcast, but it's Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries uh, for those that are still getting used to that name. With the expansion with uh, the additional resources that are being provided, with the additional oversight that is necessary, with additional facilities that may be coming online as a part of the overall ministry of the Baptist Homes, uh, obviously new staff. Joe, you are a part of that new staff. What what are you needing? What are you looking for? Not that we're doing a, a job promotion here, uh, but, but what are some of the things that you are looking for for the people that you are bringing on, what kind of expertise has been brought into the Baptist homes over these last uh, few months as you've been thinking through and developing the ideas uh, to lead this ministry into the future? Well, I, I will unashamedly put in a plug. Uh, if you feel called to Baptist homes ministry and uh, you know would be interested in talking about a career with our, our ministry, we will be soon having everything from uh, facilities operations uh, managers, kind of those who oversee the operations at the campus level and maintenance and the facilities, uh, administrative positions. We're going to have multiple nursing positions, all levels of nursing staff, and other roles. So there will be new opportunities as we develop these new campuses. I am pleased to announce that uh, Dr. David Sundin is coming on board as our Executive Director for Baptist Homes Hospice. Dr. Sundin brings a almost 35-year track record of being an innovator as a church planter. Uh, he has been able to go and demonstrate he knows how to start something from scratch and build it to sustainability. Uh, Dr. Sundin is known by literally thousands as the Dean of Online and Distance Education at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Spurgeon College. And he just recently has been appointed as our new executive director. So we look forward to him coming online. And his first task is to lead us through the accreditation process, something that he's well-versed in from higher education. So he's one of our newest team members. Uh, David officially started with us on a part-time basis on May 1st, but we'll be coming online full-time August 1st. We also have Pam Workman. Uh, Ron, do you want to just tell us a little bit about Pam? She is our new administrator at the Ozark campus. Pam has, 
Pam came to the Baptist home at Ozark a couple of years ago with about 30 years of experience in long-term care, in a variety of settings, dietary, um, social services, I believe even activities uh, work. And in her time frame uh, at the Baptist home, what, Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, excuse me. <laughs> I'm the guy been around long enough and I trip over it. <laughs> and um, Rodney had put out a, a challenge uh, that we find our replacement, that we raise up the next generation of leadership. And our administrator at the time, Sonia Newton, took that to heart and did a really good job of, of preparing and mentoring Pam for that. A couple of months ago, Sonia announced her retirement uh, from the Baptist Homes and simultaneously recommended Pam Workman uh, as her replacement. Uh, Pam is now the administrator in training. She is studying for her nursing home administrator's exam. And uh, as soon as she passes that, she will become the administrator there. What that does for us is it creates some continuity in leadership. Uh, it also creates a, or, or results in a real familiarity with the next leader. You know, you've watched this person for quite some time and you've, you've been aware of them. And it also says to the rest of our staff, we're pretty serious about raising up our own leaders. Uh, right now in the state of Missouri, finding a qualified, biblically informed Christian uh, administrator to lead our campuses is a difficult task. And uh, to have one homegrown, so to speak, is a great, uh, great opportunity. And it's, that has created leverage, I think, on the rest of our campuses to kind of say, hey, we need to get serious about this. Who is the next uh, RN? Who is the next DON? Who's the next campus pastor? And, and who's the next administrator uh, on your campus? And, and uh, you know, I think people are beginning to, to, to look at things and have an eye towards that, which I, will be very good for us long term. The final thing I would add is that we're about ready to uh, complete the transition of the corporate office to Jefferson City. Uh, Joe is already there full time. Probably by the time this podcast is made fully available, we'll have uh, our staff accountant there. We'll have administrative assistants there. I have an office there. Ron is, has an office there. Spencer Hudson has an office there. So we're excited about that. We're also nearing... Uh, hiring the first campus pastor for our Ashland campus. So uh, that is a recently expanded campus with the opening of the congregate living community that I believe about a month ago, Derek Pam was on the podcast and talked about that exciting uh, project. And so we're just on the cups of uh, bringing on our first campus pastor for Ashland. So it's an exciting time at Baptist Homes. And yet it's a time that we are looking for those who God is raising up to, uh, to be a part of this ministry. So Joe, do you want to say anything about the openings that we have in Jefferson City and what kind of person we might be looking for there? Really two openings that we have, uh, administrative assistant, which will be supporting the staff and office there, and then also staff accountant, which will be a point person, uh, kind of a medium level accounting position, but that'll be a point person that will be assisting the different locations and our other remote staff here in Ironton as well. So if someone listening to this was interested in, or maybe they wanted to pass this on to a family member or something, how would they get in touch? Who would they reach out to about any of these particular positions? 
probably the easiest way to do that would be to send an email to president at thebaptisthome.org. The word president at thebaptisthome.org. And we'll make sure that gets circulated to the proper person. Okay. Well, as we have, as we begin to wrap up uh, this interview a little bit, we've been looking at it from a 30,000 feet dropping in here and there. There's a lot of ambitious goals, ambitious ideas that have been presented today. What else might uh, each of you or you collectively like to share about the direction of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries in the, uh, in the days ahead? Well, I, I would say this. Um, the challenge as we expand and to grow is to always remember why we exist. And uh, we don't exist to be larger. We don't exist to be have greater variety in what we do. We exist to serve aging humanity uh, with that concept and that understanding uh, that all life is created in the image of God and that there, there is this beauty and this sanctity in human life, not just at birth, but throughout life. And um, as we expand, we are expanding so that we can serve more people, period. Not just so that we can be larger. You know, uh, larger is just more work. <laughs> and, uh, but it does create opportunities for us to serve more, uh, more of our seniors in the, that last journey of their life. I would add that uh, we are also here to, for the church. When we think about serving the aging, you know, oftentimes those references, those calls come from family members as they are navigating what they're observing. They're observing changes or maybe observing concerns that, you know, I'm not sure if uh, my loved one is taking their medications or, um, wow, I think they're wearing the same thing today that they were a week ago when I was at their house. And, you know, you start wondering, what can we do? We want to be an advocate for the church, not just those who might come into the Baptist homes or one of our campuses, but it might be that they're going to a care facility in their own community, but we would like to be there to help inform. It's a very confusing industry at times with acronyms that could uh, cause you to uh, just kind of roll your eyes. You know, what is uh, independent living versus assisted living versus intermediate care, skilled care, dementia care, Alzheimer's care. Uh, you know, we threw in the new title, inclusive memory care. W what does all that mean? Um, and how do we pay for it? Those are the type of questions that people frequently really would like to have someone help navigate those questions. Um, and we, we can do that. Uh, we have resources for children who might be wondering what's happening to grandma or great grandpa. What, what's happening? Why are they different? Why are they in this big house and not, you know, in the old home? Um, you know, why do they have a nurse helping them? Things of that nature. And so we are truly uh, about being advocates for the aging advocates for the sanctity of life with a conviction. Our residents are lifetime disciples. And, you know, even those who might have an impairment that keeps them from appearing to be growing in Christ, 
This is our opportunity to show Christ-like compassion and mercy and grace in an unconditional way. That means we're being Christ-like. And that really is our mission. Our mission is to, to be the Christ-like standard of care for the aging. And so it's a really exciting time to be a part of what Baptist Homes is doing. Uh, we're blessed with great partners with Missouri Baptist Convention and with our uh, entities. We have partnerships with all of our Missouri Baptist entities in one way or another, and we have a great board. So it's an exciting time to be a part of this ministry, and we are so thankful for what God is doing, especially given the fact that what the demographics are showing is that for the next 15 to 20 years, the number of seniors is going to continue to increase and the number that will maybe at some point in their, their walk in life need a little bit of extra care is going to grow. And we would like to be there to provide that Christ-like, biblically informed standard of care. Well, thank you. Obviously, with growth comes challenges. Uh, as Ron, as you just said, you're not looking at growing just for the sake of growth, but there are more pieces that are moving. And so uh, one of the ways, as you all know, through each of the podcast, I do ask our guests how we can pray for the, uh, the person individually, for the ministry that they're involved in, or for the facility uh, in this case. So I would ask each of you, how would you ask the taking it down from the 30,000 foot level to a very practical level for the moment. How would you have our listeners pray for each of you individually uh, as you lead and for overall Baptist homes and healthcare ministries from a more uh, corporate perspective? Sure. I, I would say really, Andy, thank you for asking that. And really three things come to mind for me is just pray for wisdom everything that we do just to pray for wisdom and to see God, not to, you know, not for not to be our plans, but to be God's plans and his plans to prevail. Secondly, I would say pray for our residents. Uh, as I was walking through the hallway today, I stopped and spoke with, with the lady and uh, one of the residents and just ask, you know, how's it going? How are you doing? Is there anything you need? She was very thankful for the great care that she gets. And that's one of the things that impressed me was the great care. But for the residents, it's hard for them. You know, they're struggling. They've lost a loved one. She talked about her husband, how she misses him. And so, and then thirdly, I would say to pray for our staff, uh, the caregivers, because they are the ones on the front lines and they are making a difference. And uh, they are the ones who are able to minister, to pray with, to care for and to make a difference. So they, they really do make a huge difference. Well, Andy, I would say that as we take on these new roles and a new name and, and new ministry outlooks, um, the art of that is communicating that with clarity, uh, with insight and understanding so that those around us aren't scratching their head trying to figure out what are we doing, you know, but we, I, I, I am as excited today as I've ever been in my 20 years being a part of Baptist Home about what is on the horizon for us. But I know that that requires um, a great deal of skill to help communicate where we're going and, and help people to understand that. And, and I would just ask that people pray that we would be wise and understanding 
how to help people see the vision that is there and the opportunities that are there uh, for the Baptist home so that it, it, they understand the heart of why we want to be a part of these ministries. And I would ask you to pray for our, our workers. Um, healthcare is a very demanding occupation. You know, it, it's a lot more demanding and a, and a mistake is more significant than if you uh, burn a burger or if you uh, spill some uh, soda at a, a restaurant. No, this, this is life and death at times. So, so pray for our, our, our healthcare workers. We have an amazing team of caregivers and I know that they would appreciate your prayers. And then on a personal note, pray for me. Pray for me as a leader. I think of the words of uh, Micah that just talked about the what is demanded of a leader. And, and I'm just reading it here from uh, the King James. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. I would ask that you would pray for me, that that would be true of me as a leader, that I would do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. Thank you. Well, thank you all for joining us today on Biblical Perspectives on Aging, and uh, many blessings in the days and years ahead uh, as, as you continue to grow and minister, uh, grow as an organization and minister to others as a part of that organization. So thank you all again. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.